Hi, this is Chad Dull. Welcome to my Poverty Informed Podcast. been the end of the semester at MSC Southeast and those of you in education know it's kind of a crazy time and it's the end of my very first semester uh, at this place that's come to feel like home. Um, So it's been a little busy and I've probably fallen behind on uh, trying to record some of this stuff. But it's also been an exciting time. Um, There's so much good stuff going on at my college and at colleges across the country around this issue of poverty. Uh, And on a personal level, Uh, people seem to be listening. I have a number of opportunities coming up uh, to speak uh, at colleges and um, did a speech at a workforce group um, and just seem to be having some ability uh, to get out and tell the story of how we bring people into the party that maybe have been left out before. Uh, And all that got me thinking about something I wrote last May after a conversation with my friend Mike Pellinger at Western Technical College um, about a paradigm shift for us as a college, Um, and I just wanted to share it with you today. It was this notion of how we move away from maybe protecting students from themselves or weeding people out uh, to trying to get success to as many people as possible. So last May 5th, I wrote an article called Poverty Informed Practice in Higher Education, Filters Versus Pumps. The power of language has always been a true love of mine. Now that's probably a little bit of a rationalization on my part since I'm just not a very visual person. But I have always loved when I, or someone else, says something that just simply and succinctly makes a point in a way that anyone could grasp. Now it's even better if the point is so good no one can disagree, but that can be a little much to ask. For me, strengths and weaknesses always seem to be two sides of the same coin. And my verbal strengths have always been balanced by just an inability to represent my ideas in pictures, charts, sculpture, painting, or any other visual medium. As I've gotten older, I've gotten more comfortable with my weaknesses, and I find myself drawn to people with the gift of capturing ideas visually uh, as kind of a complementary skill. One of those people is my friend Mike Pellinger. Uh, Mike and I worked together at Western Technical College for a lot of years, and I came to learn that he just had a gift for capturing ideas, including my sometimes random ones, visually. Uh, He actually would do this sometimes on a piece of paper towel. As an example, a couple of years ago I was trying to capture the switch from an old model of developmental education where we fixed people and basically never let them move on, to a just-in-time model that helped people where they actually were and needed to be. I was drawing stick figures on a board and Mike just watched. But later that afternoon, he quietly handed me a paper towel with the abominable snowman drawn on it. You know, the one from Bugs Bunny. I figured out our old model was the abominable snowman, where we were hugging and loving and never letting them go. And our students were Daffy Duck in a bunny costume, just yearning to be free. That one picture said it all brilliantly. Sometime after that, I was trying to talk to Mike about a shift I thought a poverty-informed college had to make. I was working on this kind of tortured analogy about Harry Potter and the sorting hat, you know, where we placed you into different houses and that determined your success, but the, the analogy just wasn't capturing the idea I hoped for. I was trying to show that colleges aren't here to eliminate the unworthy, certainly community colleges aren't, 
but rather we should create opportunity for the widest group possible. That hit a chord with Mike, and he described a conversation he had been in where someone said to him that we were a filter, not a pump, in an attempt to justify weeding out as a college practice. Now, Mike and I agreed that if filtering had ever been a good idea, it certainly wasn't anymore. And at that point, I left to go back to my day. But the analogy stuck with me, and the next day, I thought it might be funny, and I would tell him uh, that I had extended the analogy to visualizing myself as a plumber breaking up clogs, and I even joked I was going to start showing up at meetings with a plunger from now on to tell people I was unclogging the system for students. And sure enough, in my email later that day, a picture appeared that looked vaguely like me, carrying a plunger and saying, I'm here to unclog a filter and install a pump. And on the side, it said, poverty-informed practice. Are you a filter or a pump? On one paper towel, Mike had captured exactly what poverty-informed practice should be. My admiration for visual people grows. This filter versus pump mentality is worth calling out. As we move toward the most inclusive, poverty-informed environment possible, we need to identify our filters and see if they can be removed. One of the toughest changes my old college went through was a de-emphasis on placement testing, and I know this happened across the country. As I've told people before, if you try to change an entrenched system, the resistance you see will be huge, and that was true with the assessment and placement work. Now, it was common knowledge at our college and others that we weren't doing placement very effectively. However, there was a deep level of attachment to the testing system in place. The reaction to the changes we made seemed almost personal, and that was confusing to me because the people involved were generally reasonable and would consider themselves advocates for students. Now, I think the real subtext of all that discussion was the change from a filter mentality to a pump mentality. Placement tests had been used to filter students or to sort of protect them from themselves. Now, that latter notion seems almost noble until you start to unbundle it. One of the premises, uh, one of, the premises of poverty-informed work is what students know on day one is not a very good indication of what they can learn. So instead of filtering students out at the beginning, which was actually what was happening because the placement into remedial coursework didn't really lead to college transition often enough, we were shifting to a mindset of building structures that helped our students successfully move through, you know, like a pump. Protecting students from themselves feels really paternalistic to me. Eliminating unnecessary barriers and walking beside them seems like a partnership. The pump is a great analogy because it isn't one size fits all. One of the persistent questions I get about the students I advocate for is, shouldn't we treat them the way we treat the rest of the students? That's a loaded question because the assumptions in the question are everything. If people meant that we tried to give all students what they need, then sure, that makes perfect sense. Unfortunately, most of the time, the question seems to imply we should just give everyone the same thing. Well, that thinking is flawed on two levels. First, there's a difference between equitable and equal, a huge difference, and most people understand this. But I think the more insidious flaw in asking people with significant barriers to access the system other students do in the same way is that system was not designed for them. Does that make sense? Because I think it's a big deal. 
college systems are built on assumptions of who the college will serve. Now, it seems natural to me that those assumptions would not be about students with the greatest barriers. So, until the day we start building colleges and systems for the students with greatest barriers, let's build effective pumps to help them navigate the plumbing that wasn't always designed with them in mind. Now, this is different than building separate systems. It's adding appropriate support at points in the system where students have historically struggled. Essentially, we are installing a pump with the appropriate pressure to move them past a potential clog. Now, I'm not very mechanically minded, but even I get that. These supports are poverty-informed. And if we built our systems with students from poverty first in mind, maybe they wouldn't be necessary. But I don't think that's likely to happen and maybe not even practical. So we build in supports to navigate an inherently flawed system and use what we learn to improve it. That is poverty-informed, in my opinion. Filters, pumps, and plumbers seem like a great way to represent a community and technical college learning to serve its students in new and more effective ways. Now, perhaps there was a time where deciding who should be in college and who shouldn't be in college was okay, although I doubt it when you look at who was excluded. But even if I grant that that time existed, it has passed. My father told me when his high school class graduated in the late 1960s, a number of his classmates moved to southern Wisconsin and took jobs at an automotive plant. Those jobs were the kind of jobs a high school graduate could build a life on, a life that provided for a family. Whether we like it or not, that layer of employment has left our economy for the most part. And now we have told young people that post-secondary credentials are the key to success in the new economy. I believe that's true. So I also believe filtering students out is a process of picking economic winners and losers, and we do not belong in that business. In a post-secondary education for all world, it is incumbent on colleges to adapt to the new world as well. We need to get out our wrenches, and yes, our plungers, unclog the filters, and install pumps wherever we need to. Now, this took me 10 minutes of talking, and my friend Mike could have got it in one drawing.